0: Can't stop the signal. This is Andrew of Verwappen Blog, and this is the second episode of Verwappen Blog Radio. I'm here with my co-host, Brett, the Indominus Rex of Gun Store Employees. Thank you for that warm welcome, Andrew. How many Colts did you sell today, Brett?
1: Um, I did not sell any Colts today. I had someone who was interested in one, but eventually uh, chose the Smith & Wesson Sport instead.
0: Wow, if only you'd sold a Colt. Just one Colt today, you could have kept the company out of bankruptcy.
1: I really tried, but he wasn't going for it.
0: For just $1,000 a day, you can keep this company from going bankrupt. Please donate to Save the Colts now. The 1-800 number on your screen has all the details you'll need. Call today. Seriously though, I don't think this was too hard to see from either from a money standpoint or just a consumer standpoint. Because Colt had been in trouble for a long time. If you research the company, you'd see their their workforce is unionized, their factory is old, so they have a lot of costs that other, other factories, other companies don't have. Some startup AR manufacturer with a whole bunch of new equipment is probably more efficient at putting out ARs than Colt is. And as far as the market's concerned, that's a strength, not a weakness. Colt didn't really connect with people. I mean, when was the last time you saw a Colt rep in your gun store?
1: Uh, I believe I've only seen the Colt rep one time.
0: And what about, say, Springfield? The Springfield rep comes in at least once a month. I'm trying to think of the last time I saw a Colt advertisement anywhere.
1: I think I remember seeing stuff for the Colt 901, but never for any of their, or at least nothing recently, for any of their other uh, firearms that they offer.
0: I thought the 901 was an interesting idea, but in practice, I don't feel that the ability to swap between 308 and 556 is all that important every time a rifle comes out it happens every couple years someone comes out with an upper with quick change barrels and you can go between 556 and 300 blackout or 556 and 65 Grendel or in this case 556 and 762 nato and it's supposed to be the big hot thing that'll allow you to go from an assaulter job to a sniper job or something like that or designated marksman what have you and the market never buys it. Like, not enough people care to make those projects worthwhile.
1: And it seems like the people that would be interested in having uh, one lower that can do it all would be the people that are more worried about the cost as well. And when those nine hundred ones hit the market, I think they were around like twenty six hundred bucks, if I remember correctly.
0: Yeah, I wonder if if a product like that will remain in production. I think the company was just purchased by a, a capital management. Uh, company so we'll have to see if they make any changes supposedly the CEO is not going to change which seems like an odd decision to me because Colt has just not been well managed in recent years
1: Yeah, I think anyone that's paid attention to what's been happening with Colt over the last few years has seen this coming for quite some time
0: it's too bad because their products are excellent I mean the 6920 is in my opinion still the standard in the market I just wish that the company would have done a better job at marketing themselves And connecting with consumers and then, I guess, whatever they did on the business side to get so messed up. If they'd avoided all of that, maybe they wouldn't have gone bankrupt.
1: Yeah, the 6920 and the 6720, I think, are two of my favorite but somewhat budget-oriented rifles out there right now.
0: As a fan of lightweight rifles, I do really like the 6720. Uh, But again, they didn't really market it. It, it. You only found out about the 6720 if you went looking for it or if you subscribe to newsletters or email uh, advertisements from companies that sold that rifle.
1: I think Daniel Defense does a great job of getting their rifles advertised and in a, in a way that consumers understand what the differences between the rifles are.
0: I think Colt's problem is that they're so isolated and so used to having military contracts that they feel they don't need to advertise, they think their name speaks for, the, for itself and that just isn't the case. With all these new companies that are making good rifles at competing prices, you have to do something to set yourself apart and they essentially rested on their laurels and we can see what the result of that was. You know what? I'm being pretty mean though. We should stop beating this dead horse. Why don't we move on to some letters? Alright, so the first email we have
1: uh, was sent in on May 5th of 2014. And this one comes in from Chris and he's wondering After watching your detailed review of the LWRC, I was wondering which Piston 7.62 platform has impressed you the most.
0: Well, as everyone knows, the M14 is the greatest semi-auto rifle of all time. Well, of course, but
1: I'm sure he means other than the M14.
0: Well, if we're not going to talk about the M14, which is the worst, I mean, the best uh, rifle of all time, then I would have to say that the SCAR Heavy, or is it the SCAR Heavy or SCAR 17S or SCAR 760, whatever the name of the three hundred eight version of the SCAR is, would be my pick. I, I think it's a phenomenal rifle at a competitive price point. There are perhaps semi-auto hundred eight to be a little more accurate, not a whole lot, because the SCAR is actually quite accurate. Uh, they're not going to be cheaper and you're not going to find anything that's more reliable in, in my opinion. I think that rifle has just been developed to the point of near perfection. Obviously, I like the AR platform. I think the AR-15 is a phenomenal rifle and if I'm going to own one semi-auto rifle, it will be an AR-15, but the AR-10 has not received the same level of development, especially in the last 20 years. Although the AR-10 is older than the AR-15 by a few years, the amount of energy and time and money that's been put into the 5.56 version Far exceeds that of the 308 or 7.62x51 version. I've built a couple different 308 ARs. They performed very well. They were extremely accurate. I liked them. But if I was going to go out and buy a semi auto 308, especially a, a piston version, it, to me, the best rifle in this segment is the Scar Heavy.
1: I have to agree with you on the Scar 17. I think that's the best overall piston 308 out there. Uh, They're lightweight and just phenomenal guns. Um, There's a few others out there that I like. The LWRC Reaper is just a badass
0: gun. Well, if you mean bad gun, then I would agree with you.
1: Yes, you and I have had different experiences with that Reaper.
0: I think that's the story of LWRC, though. They make some excellent weapons, and then you could get a a rifle from the next production batch, and it's just not going to run, and it's not going to shoot.
1: Another one that is pretty cool out there, I think, is the HK MR762. Now, I don't have a ton of personal experience with that rifle, but I heard great things about the accuracy.
0: Yeah, I shot one of those, and it was extremely accurate. I, I cannot complain about how accurate it was. But again, it's it's more expensive and heavier than the SCAR, and so that, that leads into what do you want to do with it. If you want to carry your rifle from your car to the bench, and shoot small groups, and you want a piston, then maybe the mr 762 is where it's at. If you want to spend less money, have something you could carry in the field, still be extremely accurate, and just as if not more reliable, then I would go with the SCAR.
1: Yeah, I think that mr 762 is about 50% heavier than the SCAR-17. Yeah,
0: it's probably close to 50% more expensive too, just because HK.
1: The Rigger sr 762 is another one that I like quite a bit. Uh, it's a fairly lightweight rifle. The only real complaint that I have with it is a lot of the weight is balanced out past the magazine well. The gas block and piston assembly are are somewhat heavy on that rifle. Uh, I think if Ruger could get the weight down on that a little bit, they'd have a really, really good contender.
0: The next time you look at a Ruger, either the SR762 or the SR556, could you do me a favor and check out the receiver extension tube in the stock? Because I've noticed on every SR556 I've ever seen, literally every rifle, the stock is canted about five or 10 degrees clockwise as if the receiver extension tube was not held in place properly when the uh the nut was being tightened it's one of those things that probably doesn't matter all that much in the long run but it just it does not give me a good impression of their assembly procedures
1: and at least on the sr 556 they torque the barrel nut to 150 foot-pounds which is almost double uh, what the mil-spec maximum torque is.
0: Do they give a reason for that or is that just something they do because?
1: That's just something that they do because.
0: It just sounds sloppy to me. The The way they put the rifles together sounds sloppy and I don't know if I was going to spend a lot of money Uh, if I would want a rifle that was put together in a sloppy manner. Even if it eventually ran fine it would bug me that I spent fifteen hundred dollars on something that no one really cared enough about to put together properly.
1: And they do run fine, in my experience, and shouldn't be an issue at all, as long as you never have to take the barrel nut off.
0: Well, for most people, that probably won't be a problem. Uh, For some people, if you want to work on your own rifle or just take things apart and put them back together, that could be a huge problem. Well, if Chris is still looking to purchase a semi-auto 308 with a piston and an op rod, then I hope our discussion has helped him. Maybe he's been saving his money this whole time, and he can go out and buy a Scar Heavy immediately.
1: I think that would be the best choice.
0: Alright, who's our next victim?
1: Alright, the next email comes from Henry, and he sent this email on September 13th of 2014.
0: Well, that was pretty close to my birthday. Now, my old boss, Nathan Muir, once tried to find out my birthday, but both the KGB and Mossad were wrong. I won't disclose my actual birthday, but I'll just say that on that day, I was busy doing things, and that's why I was not able to respond to this letter. I was eating ice cream.
1: All right, well, that seems like a valid excuse. All right, so Henry had to sell his guns to pay for a cross-country move and for a wedding, and he was only able to keep one gun, and the gun that he kept was a Smith & Wesson Model 10, which he kept because that's the one that his wife is most comfortable shooting. Um, he's looking to get another gun. He's going to pick up a Glock 19 as an all-around gun, and he's also wondering if he sh- uh, what kind of gun he should also buy in addition to the Glock a smaller conceal carry gun, an AR-15, a shotgun, or a twenty-two rifle.
0: So I'm pretty sure that this is how the book The Road started, which is a guy trying to protect his family, and all he has is a Smith & Wesson Model 10. So if Henry is married to Charlize Theron, I congratulate him wholeheartedly.
1: Isn't she anti-gun?
0: She probably is, but that won't stop her from making money from movies that have lots of guns in them
1: oh, we just need to make sure we don't recommend something she won't like. So the revolver is good, maybe an AR-15 with a 10-round magazine and a bullet button.
0: Well, we know she likes the SKS.
1: Yeah, she's deadly with the SKS, as long as she has a man reloading for her.
0: Yes, as long as she can rest the SKS on the shoulder of Tom Hardy, she'll be able to shoot out a spotlight on a vehicle uh, that's very far away. If you haven't seen Mad Max Fury Road, you should drop everything and see it right now. But to answer Henry's question, and I think this is a very good question, and Henry is the sort of person I like to reach with my blog, and I feel bad that I did not respond to him because he sounds like he has a really good head on his shoulders. He wants to choose between a small handgun for concealed carry, an AR, a 22 rifle, or a shotgun. Now, they all have their strengths and weaknesses. If he's trying to start back from nothing, then perhaps an AR would not be my first choice. It's going to be the most expensive of all of those, and he could buy two of any of the other firearms he mentioned for the price of even, say, a Smith & Wesson M&P-15 Sport. I know I could go pick up a, a decent uh, carry handgun and a semi-decent 22 rifle for that price. If he wants this firearm to be primarily for fun, then the 22 rifle will be my first pick. I think everyone who owns a gun should have a 22 rifle of some kind. If he really wants to carry, then he might find both the Model 10 and the Glock 19 to be a bit sizable depending on how he dresses and, and where he lives and so on. So a smaller concealed carry handgun would be a decent choice. The shotgun can be pretty versatile too. It would be excellent for home defense, but he could also swap out barrels and go skeet shooting if he wanted to. But I wasn't really getting that impression uh, from his email that he wanted to uh, to go shoot some clays. So maybe the shotgun wouldn't be the first firearm I would recommend for him. My two recommendations would be either a small handgun for concealed carry or a twenty-two rifle.
1: I think the Glock 19 is a great choice. It's a perfect all-around gun. It's small enough to conceal and still big enough to use for a home defense gun. Something to buy after that, I think the concealed carry handgun would be really good to have for when the Glock 19 is too large to carry. Um, you know, Summer months when you can't get away with carrying a gun as big as the Glock, a concealed carry gun is really, really handy to have.
0: Would you say something like the Ruger LCP or maybe a Caltech or something like that?
1: I think the LCP is probably one of the best to go with.
0: I would recommend it just because Delta Force uses it. All right, before we get to this next letter, I have a thought that's been bugging me ever since I saw Jurassic World. I've been trying to figure this out. There is a group of troopers in the movie called the ACU, the Asset Containment Unit, and they're sort of these spec ops type guys who are supposed to track down escaped dinosaurs. Yes, it is a spoiler alert. I guess I should have mentioned that one of the dinosaurs gets out in the movie Jurassic World, If you didn't know that going in, I can't help you. In any case, the asset containment unit guys, I think they have like a cryptic camouflage pattern, but they all wear plate carriers. And I want to know why guys who are hunting down dinosaurs wear plate carriers. Are the dinosaurs shooting back at them with .30-06 AP or something like that?
1: Well, the raptors are smart. They might think that they could learn how to use a gun.
0: You know, that is true. Maybe they've moved on from being able to open a door to shoot a gun. But enough about Jurassic World, let's move on to our last letter.
1: All right, so this one comes from Mark, and it was sent on September 9th of 2014. And he starts by praising your blog and thanking you for it. But he goes on to say that he is glad to see that it's not just him that experiences annoying rust problems on the guns that he carries and is wondering what you think of nickel plating.
0: Well, that's a very good question. And I would like to thank him for the the compliments on the blog. I do appreciate those. As far as nickel plating goes, I've had... A number of experiences with that about six years ago now i purchased an electroless nickel plating kit from a company called caswell they're out of new york basically they send you a bucket and a bunch of chemicals and a heating element and you follow the directions very precisely you mix the chemicals together you heat them to a very precise temperature you prep the surfaces of whatever you want to plate beforehand you put it in the solution for a specific amount of time and at the end you have a nickel plated whatever And I started out nickel plating, I don't remember the first thing I nickel plated, I think it was probably my 1911 slide. And I think I nickel plated that slide probably about six different times. Each time I got a little bit better, or a little closer to the way I wanted it. There are a lot of different things you can do to mess up a a nickel finish. Most of it is in the prep work. If you do the prep work properly, the finish will be fine. But you also need to make sure the solution is at the proper temperature. So after I got those things out of the way, I ended up with a really good looking, durable and corrosion resistant finish. And the great thing is you can reuse that solution, you just heat it up again. So you can get a lot of nickel plating out of a relatively inexpensive kit, all things considered. And it's like I said, it's been six years since I did that 1911. The frame is still nickel plated. I ended up having some other parts Cerakoted because I wanted a a two-tone gun. But that frame is still nickel plated. I've carried that gun quite often over the last six years still no rust, and very little signs of wear. So really it's an excellent finish and it's something that you can do yourself if you're so inclined. If you're not, you can send it off to a company such as Robar to have them do the finish work. Now Robar offers different options such as NP3, which is their modified version of nickel with teflon or phosphorus. They also have NP3+, Plus, which is even more corrosion resistant than NP3. Uh, you can send your, your rifle or pistol off to them, and they'll do these platings or coatings. In fact, I actually just sent off a Smith & Wesson M&P45 slide assembly to Robar. They're going to plate it in np 3 and I'm looking forward to comparing the corrosion resistance of that finish to my own electroless nickel work. So I just went on the Caswell plating website, and if you go to their electroless nickel plating page, you'll see before and after photos of my 1911. I think it's interesting that they're still using those photos since they're essentially six years old. I should send them in some some newer photos that are perhaps a bit better quality, but you'll get the idea of what you can do before and after. That 1911 was pretty worn out, and the finish was horrible. Kimbers have terrible finishes, and everything rusts immediately, uh, especially if you sweat like I do. And at the time, I was carrying in a leather holster, so I would pull that pistol out of the holster at the end of the day, and the entire right side of the slide, excuse me, left side of the slide, was just covered in rust. It was terrible. So, if you're willing to do the work yourself, you can buy one of the Caswell Electroless Nickel Kits. Either the standard or the deluxe size will allow you to do a lot of different parts. I, I think I ordered the standard kit, which is now $169, and I plated at least three or four handguns and three or four bolt carrier groups and other parts. You could compare that to sending it off to Robar. They would charge you about, I think, $169, $170, give or take 20 bucks to do perhaps uh, a single bolt carrier group or a single slide, but that's them doing all the work and you know, it's going to be done right. The nickel plating, like I said, it took quite a while for me to get it right. It was fun. It was something I had the time for and I had the space to do it. It's a bit smelly. You're not going to want to do it in your house or your apartment. It was a fun project for me to try. So if you're a do it yourself type, you might want to try doing electroless nickel on your own. If you just want it done and done right, you could try sending it off to a company like Robar. They definitely have an excellent reputation. Okay, Brett, one last question before you go. This one's for me. Glock 17 or FNS?
1: Definitely the FNS. The finger groove grip on the Glock 17, I hate. Uh, the FNS is a little bit lighter weight, and I think much smoother recoiling
0: on that note we'll wrap up this episode if you have any questions you like included or answered in next year's episodes go ahead and submit them directly to the blog